Yeah, thank you. It's so wonderful to be with you guys. And uh, Eti and I just came back from Namibia for two weeks. We were there for an outreach. And you believe me, it was Bayavaram. Very warm. It was like 45 degrees in, 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 in uh, no, Montague, in Marintal and those places. But we got used to it. It's for many years that we go in there. And it's what a privilege just to work amongst the farmers and the guys in Namibia. Harde mensen wat weet wat het is om zwaar te krijgen. They know what is drought and suffering. And uh, just lovely to see what the Lord is doing after all those years. Healthy churches all over the place. Smaller churches, but healthy churches. And a vast country. I mean, I know the farmers that what they do is they, they drive actually 260 kilometers from where they live to, to the church on a Sunday. To church on Sunday. So they can't do it as often anymore just because of the cost of fuel and tires and everything. But just imagine you're going to church and you, at the end of the day you, you drove 520 kilometers. That's commitment. And sometimes it's the guys out there that's more committed than the guys just 520 meters from the church. Uh, that's a difference. So just a wonderful experience. And I invite you. We go there once a year in April. March, April, usually, then we get the, uh, all the churches together in Vintuk. We call it a, a Namibia Equip. And then we get all the people together, hundreds of people coming together. And you're so welcome to go with us. And it's from the Thursday to the, to the Monday. So I, you, you, can go, you can leave on the Wednesday and come back on the Monday. And that's just a short period. But it will be a wonderful experience for you to see what's going on in Namibia and People like you and I, who love the Lord and just embrace the whole thing of, of a healthy church. Uh, people are so hungry for healthy church. And I mean, most of them Afrikaans-speaking people, but then you get to Vintuk, you get uh, more English-speaking people over there in Swakopmund. But down in the south, it's Afrikaans, Amensis, it's Ak. And uh, it just reminds me of the one farmer that said in Vintuk, my son, I can have two English words, and that Land Cruiser and Jeep, that's all. So, but my English is getting better and better every day, and uh, yeah, just wonderful. So I want to share, share with you this morning on suffering to glory, from suffering to glory, van swaarkrijt tot heerlijkheid. That's the punchline. So yeah, I think it's a word of encouragement. Where I go, I see people, Christians especially, they suffering. In a sense, many, many Christians do suffer in these times. When you go to Namibia, you see farmers, they're they praying every day for, for rain. I mean, and if you can uh, remind yourself to pray for Namibia, please uh, remember that they're suffering from a huge drought again. And uh, pray for these guys that, they, that God will just bless them again with a season of rain. It's not lacquer to see. When you go on the farms, you see the, the farmers... They don't know what to do with the, with the sheep just because there's nothing for them to eat anymore. So they, they get so depressed and it's, it's very dry. dry country. It's a hard country. They know what to do, but uh, just, just pray for them. So we see many suffering amongst ourselves as Christians. But I believe this morning my purpose for this is that we will have a good understanding, a good theological understanding in your heart regarding suffering. And uh, because what I hear when I listen to many preachers today, the only thing that I hear is prosperity and blessing and seven ways to be a more successful man or 
10 ways to be a more healthy person or whatever. And, and we don't encourage each other enough with the fact that the Lord said something different. In, he, he actually gave a promise. In John 16, 33, you can call it it's almost like a promise, but he made a statement. And Jesus said, you can write down these verses. And remember, that for, for I believe after this morning, we'll have a good foundation regarding suffering and how we as Christians can respond on it, how we should respond on it and not react on it. And you can help someone else. When you, when you visit someone else in hospital, or that's the reason for it. When it's in your heart, you can help, you can help someone else. So we need it so much. We need Jesus to help us understanding suffering. Am I right? And what's the purpose of it? Why do we go through double uh, times in our life? John 16, 33, Jesus said, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. You will have. Not maybe. Nimeskini, yesaldade. You will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. Take heart. Take courage. And maybe that's the purpose for this morning as well. We're going to take heart. We're going to take courage. And we will not allow that when we in trouble times that we will be depressed or we face it like the, and handle it like the world does. But because we're a different people. Amen? We're a different people. Amen? We're Christians. We, we've got a relationship with the Lord. And we need to, to, to see this differently. Psalm 34, 19 says in the New Living Translation, the righteous person faces many troubles. I mean, that's just the, that's the truth. But the Lord comes to the rescue each time. It's a wonderful scripture. Psalm 34, 19. But it almost sounds like promises. I know people, wants to, people want to know all the promises in, the, in scripture, what the Lord says. Well, here, here are two promises. You can remember that as well. We will have many troubles. So, I can see a doom profit I want to help you to, when you face troubles to have substantial theological thinking about this in your mind. And know that you solved that you solved how to face troubles. Amen. And to glorify God when you're facing it and going through that process. Because you don't know what's lying ahead. Not tomorrow, the day after, not even this afternoon. Or maybe a few years from now. You don't know what you're facing. I didn't expect it at all. So, but the Lord knows what's, we have to be prepared for that. Just a testimony from my side. Many years ago, I was a farmer in the Free State. It's like that guy said, I, I, I is Afrikaans. So I come from the Free State. <laughs> so I was a farmer there. And then I, I remember just one season, I was a wheat farmer, Kurangbur geweest. And then we had a wonderful harvest. It's almost one of the best crops that I've ever seen on, on, out there on, in, in, the, in, the, in the field. And I was waiting for, for it to get absolutely ripe so that we can harvest it. And it was almost at the point of harvesting. And then it was just such a beautiful crop. I, I served the Lord. I just came to the Lord. I was born again not, not long before that. And this is now many years ago. This was about the 1996 and 95, around there. And then 
uh, we, I had this wonderful crop waiting to, and I can pay off my debt and everything. And so we got the harvest, harvest combines coming in and they're waiting that same day. We will start on the Monday, we will start harvesting the crop. It's such beautiful. I remember the pictures that we took and everything. And we, we, we went into the fields and, in, on, and, and the, the wheat was up to this height. It's just beautiful. And then on the weekend, a hailstorm, a thunderstorm came all the way from Heilbronn. That's another town not far from Reitz. And it was like dark clouds and a big storm. And in one storm, I lost the whole crop. All my fields. It's like it just went down with hail and wind, especially if you got hail and wind together. I mean, it kills crop completely. It cuts it down to the, to the floor and to the soil, and you're not able to, to harvest it again. And I was so downhearted. My wife did much better than, than I did at that stage. She had faith in her heart, and she said to me, don't you worry, lovey, we will harvest enough wheat. And I think to myself, my girl, you don't know what I'm going Gaan kijk net samen met mij. Die goed leert plat op je grond. Hoe gaan ons het ooit gestroop krijgen? The machines need to pick it up and harvest it. And I was like, yeah, I was so, so cross with the Lord. I was so cross. I said, Lord, I'm serving you. I gave my heart to you. Now, what? Why is this? I couldn't understand it. And uh, and I, I almost got re rebellious in my heart and almost went back to a wrong place. Almost backslided. But then the, the guy with the machines, because we, we, we got in machines. We, uh, one machine will not do it. You, you need at least in the free state seven or eight machines. So you get someone that will come and do it for you. Because you need to harvest it in a small period just because of all the thunderstorms. It's not like out here. You can take your time with it. So you need to do it quickly. So I had seven or eight machines waiting for this. And then in, 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 a, in a weekend's time, we call it die witstrooper, the white harvest machine. That's the hailstorm. Just came in and, and flattened it. And we actually, there, there was a great risk of losing everything just because I couldn't pay my debt at the cooperation or whatever. And then the guy with the machine said to me, Len, take courage. I think we can do something. I said, what can you do? I said, let's build crop lifters and put it in front of the machine. So crop lifter is a long piece of iron that with a round bent at the, at the bottom, and what they do is they put it on the soil, and they put it underneath the, the wheat that was on the, on, the, on the soil, and lift it up and see if we can cut it. Ach, and I wasn't, you know, yeah, whatever, do it, let's see. Ach, ik was so middeloos geweest, I just remember. And then he started to harvest the whole, the whole harvest. He, 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 he just started from the one side, and, and, and I remember after that, Hetty had this word that the Lord said to her, we will pay our debt. And I was thinking, Lord, how will that be possible? And after that, God just came through with everything that he picked up with the, with the crop lifters. And I thought all the, the kernels in the, in the, what do you mean, the ear, okay, the, the kernels. So I, I thought it was on the soil. It was just, the, the hail just finished it off. But there was, there was still enough for us to, to pay off our debt at the corporation. And after that, I just realized, you know what? 
There's no promise. When you, when you give your heart to the Lord and you serve Jesus, there's no promise that everything will just be fine from that moment on. Come on. There's just too many voices out there that wants to bring us to a place that of you will be blessed, you will, be, uh, you will have enough financial freedom, you will have this, or you will have that, and not enough word that will help us to face the troubles that we will have maybe in our way in, in life. And that's why I'm here this morning, just to share the word of the, word of the Lord, and not just my experience, but the word of the Lord. So can we read the main scripture for this morning, Romans 8, 16 to 18. It says, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It just makes more sense for Afrikaans-speaking guy. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. Say erfgename. Baie mooi. As ons Godse kinders is, ons sy erfgename. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Oh, dis mooi. Saam met Christus is ons die erfgename van sy Wat is glory in Afrikaans? Nier as ander woord wat ek soek. Heerlikheid. This beautiful. Ons is erfgename van Godse heerlikheid. Weet al so daan gedink? Kom on, wees eerlijk. Want helaas het jy het lang al laatst aan dit so gedink. Ons is erfgename van Godse heerlikheid. Is of his glory. But, and dit is die bottom line vers vir vandag. If we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. As jy dan deelbewees van Godse heerlijkheid, moet jy ook deelbewees van die swaarkry, van sy swaarkry. Yet, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Some translations say in us. Nothing compared to the glory he will reveal in us later, or to us later. Daar is twee vertalings rondom dit. Maar hier is die, this, die, this is the bottom line for this, for this morning, is that why we, we, we have to understand why we go through suffering, is that at the end of it, we will see God's glory. Wie van julle weet wat het beteken, wat is Godse heerlijkheid? If you want to explain something else, explain God's glory to someone else, how will you explain it? What is the best picture that you will tell that guy, this is God's glory, what is it? If we, we are heirs of his glory, what, how will you explain it to someone else? It's a, it's, a, it's a sort of a difficult question, am I right? Is someone asking you, just, just tell me what is the glory of God? Uh, I think you need to phone Claude. <laughs> yeah, Claude. Uh, you see, it's not an easy quest, uh, question, am I right? It's not an easy answer on that. What is God's glory? But I'm a farmer, so I'd like to make it simple for myself. I need to understand this. And I need to have a simple understanding to explain it to someone else. So can I have a father and a son? Come and stand next to me, please. Quickly. Take off your glasses, bright young man. So just to explain it, for me, it helps. Huh? So this is father, this is son. You guys believe that, huh? Yeah. Am I right? <laughs> so, in simple words, this is Claude's glory. That's what it is. It's a reflection of his father. That's just a simple explanation of God's glory. I mean, there's so many ways that we can think about God's glory. The, the creation out there. Everything that reflects 
the glory of the Father. Everything that reflects the personality, the character of the Father is his glory, his majesty, his brilliance, his wisdom. And we can go on and on. But remember this, this image. Because Jesus said in John 17 when he prayed for the disciples, he said, Lord, the glory that you have given me, I gave to them. So that's the meaning of it. When you see me, we've become children of God. In other words, what it means is when people look at Christians, what they actually what they have to see to see they have to see God. What they must see is God. The reflection of who we who we are is God. Does it make sense? So remember this image. This this uh, yeah, just a simple uh, image of of who, what the glory of God is. So at the end of this this preaching, you will understand. That's why we go through sufferings. I will repeat it again, but you will understand one of the reasons that we go through suffering is that at the end of my life, Jesus should be should be become more, and I I must become less. So when you look at me, I mean that's the reason for suffering is that I will become more and more like Jesus, and less and less like Len Diesel himself, less like the flesh, you know. People say to me, Len, you're a nice guy, but man, you need to smile more. So I tell them, can't you see that I'm smiling? <laughs> I smile. Gary and I, we, we, we joke with each other, we, say, we smile. But actually, no. And the Lord, I say to the people, man, but you have to say, no, nobody has to smile. Fought me or lost me. You are, no, 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 no. You, you, you can't think like it. Because then you're not changing into the image of Jesus. I need to become more approachable. I need to smile more, love people more. But that's not who I am, Lord. Yeah, but that doesn't matter. You need to become like Jesus, not like you think you are. You have to give yourself to change. So suffering has, has this, this undescribable potential to change us into the image of Jesus. This is what it is. That's bottom line. That's why, why it's there. That's why you have to embrace. So for me, the whole purpose of this preach this morning is that when we suffer, when we have these times, when we really don't understand why we go through this process, that we will not go into a place of bitterness, but that we will go into a place of embracing this, Lord. We will embrace this. And I will explain it later. But uh, we will come to a place where we as Christians will not resist it and allow maybe just a small opening for the enemy to come into your life and bring a, a root of bitterness or offense in your heart against God. And the next thing that springs up from that is rebellious and you, you fall into sin and you backslide and all that stuff. Th that's why we need, to, we need to embrace those times which is not so lacquer. It's a grach. Yeah. So what are the most common sufferings we as God's children experience in our lives today. Sickness. Yeah, sure. Sickness. Financial pressure. Broken marriages. Broken fam family relationships. Death of a loved one. Being retrenched. All serious sufferings. And people go through this stuff. But most of the times it's the more common sufferings that hurt us the most. It's not the heavy stuff. The more common sufferings, disappointments, failures, rejection, loneliness, or when things are just not going the way you want it to go. And it seems God always answers right the opposite from what you've asked him. As I said, we don't all believe. Come on, Lord. This is not what I've asked. 
but then you get a different answer. I mean, in a sense, that is suffering because it's discomfort. Discomfort is a, is a way of suffering. So I believe you as a church in Montague, you're going through a season of discomfort, meeting under the tree. For how long do you want to be known as the church under the tree? I mean, we don't have a venue, Lord. <laughs> We're suffering, Lord. <laughs> we don't have a venue. We're the church under the tree. Who long for you to as the Boomkirk? So it's just a season. But, but there's a reason for the season. There's purpose to all of us. And I believe God's building something in you guys that will be, you'll be so glad afterwards. Maybe you don't see it now, but he's building something of family. He's building something on dependence on the Holy Spirit, not dependence on, on buildings and facilities and smoke cameras and action and all that stuff. But just a simple way of doing church and knowing each other, it's, it's precious. You, you have to see this. You're going through a season of suffering. And, and my, my daughter and my son-in-law, they're leading the church in Stillby. And they planted that church four years ago. Yeah, four years ago. This January, I think it will be four years ago. And they were just a handful of people when they came there, 20 people at the most. Today, they're coming together with the same amount of people that you see here this morning, even more, 130, 140 people coming together and still by. But you know what? They still don't have a venue. After all those years, and they can't understand it. Lord, what's going on? And many times when I speak to my son, his name is Vimpi. I said, you know what, Vimpi? I think God's doing something in your midst that you will be so glad of for the Lord afterwards, what, what, is, what is done in your life. So they meet at, sometimes they just meet at the sea and they, they worship at the sea and they have uh, people sit, just sitting on the sand and Vimpi is preaching. I mean, he's a preacher. He loves to preach. So you preach, and they worship, and they're seeing people getting saved, and then they bry, and then they swim, and then they surf, and then they catch fish. And oh, What a wonderful way of doing church. And I, I almost feel in my heart that when they get the venue, you know, they're, they're going to say, I don't think we want it. Because <laughs> uh, we find so much joy in doing church a different way. So that's, that's why we, sometimes we go through suffering, but we don't understand why we're doing it. So a good question to ask is, do I have any choice in experience suffering? Because you, if you read carefully in Romans 8, 16, it says, But if we are to share His glory, we must also share His suffering. So can we have a choice in suffering? I don't think we can have a choice in it. But we don't want to invite it to our lives. I mean, say, come on, let's have it. I, mean, I want suffering. Who, who wants suffering? Not me. Uh, I don't want to pick up my hand now. So I don't want suffering. But it's not that we choose suffering. But the thing is, I believe glory comes not in the fact that I suffer, but in the way that I respond to suffering. Not reacting on it, but responding in a Christ-like manner on when we suffer, when we go through a huge suffering. So there's a wrong way to react. And scripture warns us about that. So just write this down. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 to 13. You will see what happened to the nation of Israel. 
And I mean, this is New Testament. This is Paul writing this letter. So he warned the believers in Christ in, in, in Corinthians. So can I read it to you? Are you ready? Listen carefully. He said, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them. And all of them walked through, walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food. All of them drank the same spiritual water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. Yet God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. All of them had the privileges of, of experiencing God. All of them. They had the same chance. That's what Paul said. Not one of them. How many of those men in the wilderness actually ended up in the land of Canaan? Do you know? Just two. Of millions. I think they, they counted three point something million people that followed Moses in the wilderness. Only two men came into the land of Canaan. Just because of... And they all had the same opportunity. That's what Paul said. That's, that's wonderful, actually. And his heart saw in the other side. These things happened as a warning to us so that we would not crave evil things as they did or worship idols as some of them did. As the scriptures say, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking and they indulged in pagan revelry. And Afrikaans stand also, they had to sit and they had to get to play. That's very interesting. The Afrikaans use word speel. I don't think it's rugby, but it's spiel. And we must not engage in sexual immorality as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. Nor should we put Christ to the test as some of them did and then died from snake bites. And don't grumble as some of them did and then we were destroyed by the angel of death. These things happened to them as examples for us. These things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. So just, just before you say, okay, this is temptation. God never tempt, uh, tempts people. But the, the, the same word in Greek is used for temptation and testing. It's the same word. So just in the context of this, the testings in your life are no different from what the others experience. You can read it in the same, with the same word. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so you can endure. That's wonderful. He will show you a way out. He will not let you sidestep it. He's not going to take it away from you. Lord, please take this away from me. But He will help you to endure the test. And that's the, that's the promise of God. I will help you. When you're sick, I had, I had a, a diagnosis of cancer three years ago, three and a half years ago. So the doctor just looked me in the eye and he said to me, Len, you, you've got cancer. That's three and a half years ago. And God healed me. Uh, I go for tests regularly. I had an operation and everything. But God gave me the strength to go through this process, to endure it, not to sidestep it. But I believe God did a miraculous work in my life. And he healed me. He can do it. You see, it's not like you, you have, you're going to get cancer and, and you're going to die from it. I mean, that's the end of it. No, no. Most people 
die from cancer. I believe it. But God also heals people from cancer. He can, he can heal every situation. It doesn't matter where you are and how sick you are. He can do it. So that's one of the ways that we respond on this, is that we will keep our faith in God can deliver me from the situation. But even if he did not do it, if he, even if he does not do it, what then? So how did they, how did they respond on this? How did the Jews respond in the suffering? That's how it's all. So they waited for Moses in the desert sun, 40 days and nights. So in Exodus 32 verse 1 it says, When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they say, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. They called him this fellow Moses. Hier die knappie. Nou moet die berg op is en die eeuwskielik is hy weg. Hy het doodgegaan van honger en dorf daarboe. Maak vir ons goede. Want hy het ons, hy het ons nie geluis as wat hy moes nie. Dis eindelijk wat hulle sê. They backslided completely. So listen carefully. I, I've seen so many times people who, who are in deep suffering. And then they backslide. They get so bitter in their hearts. They actually just turn their backs on God. And they go back to their former way of living, the idols that they had before they came to God. So this is, this is real for us today. And I mean, when I went through suffering, I can hear the enemy whisper in my ear, come on, this is not worth it. This is not worth it. Just renounce God and, and just turn your back on him. I mean, that's what Job's wife said. Am I right? Come on, this is real. You will go through a period of suffering, each one of us. We will. God gave us a promise. In this world, you will have many trials and tribulations. So, I say, but have to prepare yourself when it happens that I will not be tempted by the devil to go back and to backslide on this. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? As you lament me. The second thing is they engage in sexual immorality. That's what they did. Substantie verloor, the holiness, they just lost it completely. And they, they gave themselves over to sexual immorality. That's what the whole nation did. And if you go and study this carefully, you will see what happened in the desert. And then the third thing what they did is they put Christ to the test. They put Christ to the test. Nee, maar Christus was nog nie geboren nie. Christ was the rock from which we drank the water. Hy was die een wat vir hulle gesorg het. All the quails and all the water that they gave them. They put him to the test. How? Well, they said, "How long must us noch quartals eat? Us eat now over 40 years quartals, and every morning we must bread on the table, crumbles on the ground." And actually, God provided for them, and so they put them to the test. We want to go back to what? To the kospotte of Egypt. They want to go back where there's food in Egypt, and I mean that was like just throwing everything back into the face of God and said, "You know what, God? We no longer want this this provision that you give us." They put Christ to the test. And I think sometimes that's happen that happens when we go through trials as well. We just, our hearts just shift from a place of being so thankful for what, for who we are. Still, when you're going through a heavy sickness or whatever, there's so much to be thankful for. That just the fact that you're alive. After my whole experience, I mean, what's embedded in my heart, deep in my heart, is the fact that God gave me another season. I'm so thankful for it. 
And Lord, just because you gave me another chance and you, you, you had mercy and grace upon my life, I will live for you forever. It's not, I think getting older, that's uh, suffering. <laughs> when you wake up in the morning like Gary and you begin to limp with your knee, you know. And uh, I mean, in a way, that's suffering. Or when I get up this morning, I was like, yo. This morning I woke up, I was so tired. I was so tired. And so got a pain here and a pain there. I've got a traveling pain. It's always with me, but it's not, never on the same spot. It's just travel from this side to that side. So I was just battling this morning. But yeah, yeah, I must remember this. I had a dream. In the early hours, I had this dream. And I, I wanted to share it this, during worship. I'm not, ah, but <laughs> this, I had to, I have to share this dream. I, I dreamt in a, just in a small, short dream, I dreamt I was in a multitude of people. It's like just, I don't know how many thousands of people around me. And I had the opportunity to preach. Wonderful. It's like, this is a desire in my heart. So I stand up and I started to preach. And the only thing that I could say is, holy is the name of the Lord. And I wanted to say another thing. And the moment I started to speak, holy is the name of the Lord. And that's all I could say. And that's the end of the dream. Holy, that's the preach. Holy is the name of the Lord. And I realized it wasn't me saying it. It was the Holy Spirit just filled me so much. That's the only thing that he wants me to say. Holy is the name of the Lord. And I realized, thinking of this, this morning earlier, I was thinking, what does it mean, Lord? And I feel in my spirit there's so many other names out there. There's so many other names. The only name that's actually holy is the name of Jesus. And we, come, we will come back to a season in the, in the clock of the world. That, like what we've seen in Philippians that said, every eye will see him and every tongue will confess and every knee will bow that Jesus is the only name that under which you can get saved. Amen? Yeah. That, that's just on the sideline. They put Christ to the test. The fourth, is, the fourth thing that they did, they grumbled. Hulle het gemurmureer, hulle het gekla en gekerm. Ach, my siel. Nie nog een kwartel op my bord nie, soblief. Ek, ek het nou genoeg kwartels geëet. Ek wil nie nou nog. Die son is so warm. Dan my bier sit 45 grade in Marintal. Ek dink daar waar hulle was, was sit 55 grade. So, and they just grumbled and murmured. And you know what? The moment you start to grumble, it's almost always a sign of a lack of thankfulness. Almost always a sign of a lack of thankfulness or gratitude. Die oomlik as jy begin klaar, dan besef jy nie, ek het soveel waarvoor ek dankbaar kan wees. That actually to grumble before the Lord is sin. Just the fact that we're alive. Just the fact that you, you wake up this morning and you have a desire to come here and to come worship the Lord and to spend time with fellow believers. It's enough to be just grateful for. The fact that you're healthy, the fact that you're just still married and all that stuff. So what is the fruit or purpose of troubles or sufferings in our lives when we respond in a Christ-like manner? The first thing, it produces obedience. That's the belangrijkste for me. Suffering will produce obedience. Why? Well, <coughs> Hebrews 5 verse 8. Remember that, this verse. It says, Even though Jesus was God's son, 
he learned obedience from the things he suffered. Is dit nie mooi nie? Selfs Jesus het gehoorzaam uitgeleer dat dit wat hy geleid het. He learned obedience through the things that he suffered. So I was thinking of this. So, Lord, how can we learn obedience through suffering? Because this is bottom line. Sometimes you suffer from the things just because you were in disobedience. That's all. Some of the sufferings that come upon your life is just because of your disobedience. So when you stop sinning in that sense and you start obeying God, it will mean that the suffering will eventually end. That's how you learn obedience. It's not the same with it. I mean, that's how you raise your kids. Am I right? Uh, here's the consequences. There's consequences to stuff. Set your finger up by warm plaat and you're going to brand. No, 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 no. Okay, do not. He learned obedience. He said, I'm going to finger up by warm plaat. We say that's cruel. I say, that's the first time I'm going to learn. Don't do it. That's not what I'm not saying. But you understand what I'm saying. So I, I believe one of the purposes of, of, uh, of suffering is that we will learn obedience, to follow the Lord in our hearts. I believe many of the sufferings that we go through will not, wouldn't be there if we really obeyed the Lord and what he's telling us. I've seen so many people just making a decision, for instance, coming to me and said, Len, you know what, I've got this job opportunity in Cape Town. I believe that's the best for our family we can go. And then we pray and we say, you know what? We've got no peace about this as elders. But you have to go on your faith. But we, we, we feel that's not the right way to do it. It's not right that you go. And then they still hear from themselves. And then they go to Cape Town. And eventually they come back with a broken family. Never went to church there. No spiritual life. They've got double their salary. But triple their trouble just because of disobedience. So, the second thing, we, we've said it many times this morning, 2 Corinthians 4, 17 to 19 says, for our present troubles, and this is wonderful, listen to this, our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Ons huidige probleme is klein en sal nie lang aanhou nie. Al voel jy, hierdie ding is nie so klein nie. The word says it's small. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. You've got a lasting inheritance. That's wonderful. If you go through it with joy in your heart and you endure it with patience, remember you've got a reward in heaven. Amen. One day when you stand before the Lord and you went through the trial without rejecting, rejecting him, without going in rebellion, there will be a reward. You know, the, for me, the biggest reward in heaven will be just this. When the Lord looked at me and said to me, Len, well done. You were faithful. I'm not looking for something else substantial. I'm just looking for the confirmation of Jesus himself, looking at you and said, well done, Len. You kept the faith. That's good enough. That will be heaven. Just the fact that he recognized me, because for many he will say, you, you de depart from me, I don't know who you are. But that the fact that he said, he's got another name for me and for you, but maybe he will call me just at first, just to make myself able to hear him. Then come here. <laughs> well done. Well done. The moment Jesus said to me, says to me, well done, that will be my reward. So where am I? Yeah. 
So I'm finishing off. I'm finishing off. The key to all this is how whether we react to sin, sinful to it, sinful in the way of missing the mark. You know what the, what the meaning, the Greek word for sin is? It's harmatia. You know what it means? That you teach them on that. You know what harmatia means? What, what does it mean? Missing the mark. So you can miss the mark. It's the same as when you shoot an arrow to a target and there's a bull and you miss the whole target completely. That's harmatia. You're not even net just missing the mark, you're missing the whole target. So when, when, when we go through trouble times and we don't respond like in a Christ-like manner, we're missing the mark. That's what it is. When you give yourself to the Lord and say, Lord, help us, I want to go through this like you want me to. Hebrews 12, 15, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. When you don't respond in a Christ-like manner to troubles, the fruit eventually of this will be a root of bitterness in your heart because you, you live with unforgiveness. I hear so many people say, you need to forgive God. Then I, I hear myself thinking, how can I forgive God? You, you can't tell me to forgive God. I only can forgive myself. and forgive maybe someone that, that sinned against me or who have hurt me, whatever. But forgiving God, I don't, I don't feel in my heart that's the correct thing to tell someone else. You need to forgive God and go on. Say, come on, who are you thinking that you can forgive God like he did something wrong? No, he's perfect. He never, he never does something wrong. Am I right? So he's perfect in all his ways. In all his ways, the, even the smallest way that he handles us is perfect. I can feel, maybe in my heart I can feel, I don't understand this, Lord. But uh, you explain it to me. I, I, I hope it helped this morning. It helped us to handle troubles. But uh, I can't hold it against God. It's like, why did you do it this, this to me, Lord? How did you do it to, to me? Uh, it's just, I'm just thinking again of that. That verse in Job 13:15. It's a wonderful scripture. Job said, after everything that Job went through, he said, Yop, he said, even though he kills me, even though you slay me, Lord, even though he kills me, I will hope in you. I will not blame him. I will not put the blame on him. I will hope in him. Even though he kills me, not the enemy, even though he slays me, Jesus slays me, I will still hope in him. That's what Job said. So, here's the sun. Yeah. So, ending off. How can we respond in a Christ-like manner to sufferings? Number one, we can endure hardships, embrace it with patience. We can endure hardships and we can uh, embrace it with patience. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. With quiet endurance. So, Mag ik toelaat nie, ons met mekaar so encourage, that's what I, I'm doing this morning. Ek weet nie waar jy nou is nie. I'm, I believe many of the people sitting here this morning is going through hardships. So that's why we encourage each other. And with faithful deliverance. God will deliver you through that hardship. Maybe not from the situation, but when you come through the hardship, on the other side you will be stronger in the Lord. You will be stronger in the Lord. You will have His glory shine upon your face because you didn't allow the enemy to take you to a place of rebellion or bitterness. 
but even more looking like Jesus. Amen? Even more looking like Jesus through hardships for his glory. Then you can tell the enemy, bring it on, brood. No, 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 it's not my brood. Bring it on, your, your, your pampoon. Bring it on. Bring it on. Because at the end of this, I will be looking more like Jesus. That's in my heart. I've settled that in my heart. And this, the last thing, not losing your joy in the Holy Spirit. I've known one person that's an absolute miracle in terms of her example. And her name is MC Sally. So I haven't seen a person going through so much trouble and heart sore and, and uh, suffering as MC did in her life. I, I'm not going to tell you her story, but I mean physically. Just receiving another kidney, never being able to, to drink a milkshake until she's 60 years of age just because of a kidney failure and everything. And she had cancer, she had heart problems, she had whatever, you name it, she had it. And when I speak to her, I, I've never seen one day in MC's life without the joy of the Holy Spirit. Never. Never, never grumbling. Never complaining. Always praising God. And I said to myself, Lord, just help me that one day that I can be like MC. She's a testimony, absolute testimony. And, and Andrew as well. Because they, they, they're still going through suffering in many ways. Because the highest winds, I mean, the people with the most responsibility, they get the most wind. So pray for them, you know. They went through lots of trouble. But man, she's just stood fast, never lost her joy, always shining like Jesus was there with her just now, five minutes ago, always shining, the radiance of God, reflecting his glory. There's no one like her that I know. So, and the last thing, not make sure that you don't get disconnected to Jesus. Make absolutely sure when you're in trouble that you don't get disconnected to Jesus. Disconnected. Lose your relationship with the Lord. I remember Yeti and I when we realized, okay, I have cancer now. For a moment, or in that moment could be maybe a few days, but in that moment I sat down before the Lord and I have to decide to myself, okay, this is now reality. You prayed for many people who have cancer, but now this time it's your turn. So what you're going to do about it then, deep in your heart? And I decided, Lord, I will not be get I will not get disconnected from you. Even more so, I will dig in deeper in my relationship with you. And we spent so many wonderful hours praying together, crying before the Lord, and just worshiping Him, and even, yeah, just asking Him to give me a second, a second chance, just for the sake of the kingdom. And it brought us to a deeper level of relationship with Him that I never lost until this day. But something just... It becomes your DNA, your spiritual DNA. It's deep in your heart. You never lose it because you went through that suffering. And, but because we responded correctly on it, we, God blessed us with something in my heart. I just know that I know. There's something in my heart deposited by, Lord, by the Lord that I will never have if I didn't go through the suffering. Does it make sense? So this is the word this morning.